It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and joining me as always, it is my favourite time of the week, my wonderful co-host, Naomi Dolan from twinfo.com.au. Hello, how are you going? Hello, Nikki. How are you? Oh, you know what? I'm I'm good. I'm okay. Uh, but there's a lot going on at the moment. <laughs> Aww. How about you? Oh, I'm, I'm awing in sympathy and understanding because, yeah, me too. I tell you, this multiple birth gig is not for the faint-hearted and I don't even know why you and I are complaining because we've only got the two twins. I know, well, I know. The twins each. I and, I mean, some other people have got... Mate, yeah, I couldn't manage the juggle any with any more at the moment. No, I must admit, somebody actually asked me that the other day and they said, uh, you know, the kids are going to go to school next year. Are you thinking about having another? And I said, look, I've always said I'd love to. Chris is a bounce bounce straight away. But I must admit right now, I'm struggling to keep my head above water. So, yeah, the idea of, of juggling more balls is just not an option. So hats off to yeah. all of you yeah. that have multiples plus you know, two or three or even just one of the children because, yeah, in the parents of multiples, I did a poll the other day of how many children you have and I put the options one to ten, not really thinking about it, and we have a lot in parents of multiples of really large families. So I'm going to be on the hunt soon to find a family of ten to find out how their multiples just slid in to their family and um, the impact. So if that's you, get in touch with us. Yeah, and if you do have a story, you want to share your multiple adventure, your journey, um, make sure you do reach out to us. Somebody that we spoke to last week that had a hell of a story and I think we only scratched the surface of it. Um, So we've welcomed her back this week. We've got Jackie. Jackie's an Instagrammer from the Gold Coast and um, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her journey. We'll catch up with Jackie next. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. So Jackie is joining us once again. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Uh, look, the last time we caught up with you last week, uh, we pretty much went through your entire pregnancy, which was amazing, um, and finished on your emergency Caesar, which I'm going to be honest, is, is something that does overwhelm a lot of people. For you, Jackie, let's launch straight in. How did you find that? Yeah, I can absolutely um, understand. I too had that anxiety surrounding um, a C-section in general, and then when it became an emergency Caesarean, it you know sort of goes that next level. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm with the majority or or not, um, so I don't want to speak for anybody other than myself. But for me, I actually found it to be a really calm experience. Um, I don't think it could have come any better. I certainly suffered anxiety throughout my pregnancy, um, and so the anxiety was high. Um, I think for me, the the most awkward part of it um, after we were sort of in there the sheets up you can't see what's going on I was lucky enough and I would recommend anybody to do this I had a student midwife follow me around through my pregnancy and she was actually able to stay on the other side with um, with the doctors and everybody else and take photos for me mm-hmm. um, which I then turned into like a GIS video I would have loved a video but at that point that's what was offered so I took it and I'm so glad I did at the time I was like I don't know if I want to see that 
But, you know, three years later, I'm so glad she got those photos to me. So if you can do that, absolutely do it. And having a student midwife is amazing as well, just for someone to talk to even. But anyway, um, she was there taking photos. I couldn't see what was going on. My husband's peeking over the shanties <laughs> to see what's going on. And then I felt like everybody was jumping on my stomach. Like it felt like I was being given CPR. And I was like, what is going on? And it was actually them trying to, because like baby A was out. And so they were actually trying to push baby B like down from under my ribs to getting out. I and had so exactly I the like, same experience. What are they doing? Yeah, <laughs> I had exactly <laughs> the same experience, and I can still to this day, just all I could feel was that pressure, that deep pressure as they went right up. And I, same yeah. thing, had no idea what they were doing. And yeah, afterwards they're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, we literally had to like tug Twin B back down to to get him out because he was <laughs> right under my chest as well." Isn't it? That's the funny thing. It's the most funny. unique thing. Like, yeah, it really is a funny feeling. I liken it to people who have never had a cesarean before that you're trying to remove a gumboot that's one size too small. There's that tugging. It doesn't hurt. You can feel the tugging. Weird. Yeah. I just die and I'm like floating over my body here. Like, what is that? It's so weird. But, um, yeah, everything went, oh, I couldn't have gone better. I had the probably the best star I think out of like in the world um, considering it was an emergency cesarean and you know I know it sounds silly but I know that plenty of women can relate things like that you worry about how's it going to look is it going to be this is it going to be that so um, you know having an emergency doesn't necessarily equal you know doomed Um, it can be calm it can be um, amazing um, and yeah, I just wanted to share that to anybody who does have anxiety surrounding it. That's, that's a really good point because I know that I myself, um, even though I knew I was having a cesarean and I was a hospital inpatient, it suddenly all happened and the, my emergency cesarean happened a lot earlier than I expected. Um, yes. and so I was very stressed about the whole thing. Um, but it actually was quite calm in terms of... So you found the same thing? Yes, in terms of... Um, we haven't done... <laughs> Jackie, you're going to laugh this. We actually... Nikki and I haven't done our own birth stories on, on this podcast yet. We do everyone um, else's. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're doing everyone else's. We just haven't done our own. I'm going to stay um, tight-lipped at the moment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we... But mine, even though it was an emergency, it wasn't a true emergency in the fact that we were all in a life, any of us were in a life-threatening situation. It had mm. to happen, but we had a yeah. little bit of time. Yeah. So that, I guess, is the difference between... Um, oh, yeah, emergency and like yeah. emergency. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's the word I'm trying to think of, yeah. So um, mine was also, even though I was so anxious, it, it was quite calm. Yeah, yeah. I want to um, know, Jackie, how was it for you in the week's afterwards because that's where I probably struggled more and probably didn't know as much to accept expect from recovery how did you go with that particular point yeah it's tricky because again like you know I'd had a baby before however I've had a natural birth so I wasn't familiar with the journey I was experiencing a with two babies and then b with having a cesarean um 
very quickly before I got released from hospital, I needed to go into surgery the next day to get that stent removed from my kidney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was just a little bit annoying more than anything because it was like, um, you know, you're trying to establish those bonds with, with the babies and then, you know, getting to keep breastfeeding and whatever routines, you know, that you've got in your mind of what you wanted to do and then you sort of just whisk away and your babies have to get taken care of by somebody else and... Um, but that went all smoothly, which was good. Um, and then I was able to actually really settle in to being a new mum. And so, yeah, we were released pretty quickly. I think it was day three. We came home. Um, How did so, things like with the anaesthetic affect things like your breast milk and things? Well, again, like, I was awake. So oh, were you? I was in theatre. Oh. Yeah. But again, they kept me awake so that they they only needed to give me, I'm not sure of the technical terms to give me for any nurses or doctors out there, um, but they give me like the minimum required for me to still be awake um, and then do whatever they need to do. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, that's encouraging. That's great. Well, it was. And because then you don't have the groggy recovery taking, you know, so much longer and... Well, that's what like I was, that. yeah. That's what I was kind of mm. just visualising was that, you know, you you lying in a recovery bed in a ward away away from your babies, you know. And then the, it's like, how do you breastfeed? How do you, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I was lucky like that. It was pretty much in, out, the other end of the hospital, then back up the other end to maternity. And then I would have to get um, wheeled in to special care nursery or they would bring William out. So we had like little special visits and actually had my husband going in, like I would express through the night and then I would have my husband going in every four hours oh, probably wasn't even four hours to be honest it was probably every two or three hours um, like to feed him you know, oh, he was doing fun. the hard yards had, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then I had Leo with me oh awesome. um, he was only in special penetry for a couple yeah. of hours so then I had him with me and that was really good because then I you know could establish one baby because mm. I, I wanted to feed both. I wanted to do the forty holes. I wanted to kill two birds with one stone because I know that being a new mum's going to be busy. There's going to be lots to do, and there's two. So let's just feed and do everything at the same time to try and make it. I thought that would be easier for myself. Um, I don't know that it was. It's harder. <laughs> Again, I think it's something that Naomi and I haven't got to on our own own journeys yet because we're yet to give birth. Uh, <laughs> longest pregnancies on a podcast ever uh, but talk us through for you from beginning to end um, what was the breastfeeding experience like because so many people have different experiences particularly with multiples sure um, I was 100% wanted to breastfeed breastfed successfully with my first child uh, found it very simple first time around didn't think I'd have any problems so I brought my you know that breast friend pillow thing prepared, had everything there. Um, I think I brought one tin of formula as like a backup in the back of the cupboard in case, you know, because you don't want starving babies. Um, but I fully prepared to breastfeed. So the nurses were really great. So was the student midwife in um, helping me and the babies develop their lats. They were 37 weeks. So we didn't really have any problems with their sucker and things like that. Um, so straight away, it was great. Like we got, we got into a routine pretty quickly um, and it seems to be going really well and I remember at that point you know I got some photos that I took um, like selfies um, and then I had some photos that were taken of me like from my husband or whatever 
And I'm so glad I got those photos because that's when she hit the fan. <laughs> and we started having all of these crazy um, problems that I never even knew existed. So the first one was tongue-tied. And I don't know if you guys have heard of them. I hadn't heard of them um, previously up until this point. And so I had screaming babies. Like they were really unsettled and they would scream and scream. They appeared to latch well. They appeared to be feeding okay. They lost weight. They gained weight. Everything on paper seemed to be okay. So it was like, okay, what's wrong? So you know how you've got um, the, I think they're the community midwives who pop out to visit you at home? Yeah. Um, they're lovely. They, yeah, you know, bless them. I agree. Visit. Yeah, it's such a good service that mm. I think everybody gets it. Um, and I think it is, especially if you've got multiples, essential um, that they come to you because trying to get to them when you're at home on your second day or whatever is just way too hard. So anyway, I had them come and visit me. I can't exactly recall how often, maybe every few days initially. Um, so they were helping with, you know, the bandage sticky thing that's put over your cesarean scar. So they were helping me with, you know, upkeep of that, removal of that, which was a nightmare, I might add. Um, things like that, my general health, baby's general health. And they picked it up for me. So they were just like, hey, I think both of them are tongue-tied. Um, why don't you make an appointment with a lactation consultant? Again, didn't know they existed, never heard of them, didn't know what they did. Um, she's like, they're up at the hospital and pop up to an appointment and, you know, have a consult. I'm like, okay, fantastic. So I went up there and I was really overwhelmed by this point because I was trying so hard. I hadn't foreseen these problems even occurring. Um, and so then I had all this extra, what I felt like, an extra pressure on, you know, keeping these babies healthy, making sure that they're fed and just not being able to really do that properly. Um, do you so, think it's because you were, had already had a successful breastfeeding relationship um, with your previous ch children that that helped you identify? <laughs> you think? Up for failure. Yeah, yeah, because I was so confident that I wouldn't have any problems because I hadn't Right. Before. But would you have, I mean, I'm just thinking of a brand new mum who yes. hadn't had previous children who yes. had these babies that were, they, she thought were feeding, but were just still constantly screaming. Yeah. You know, probably be. like, okay. how would you know that there is something wrong? Like, you could you kind of it. go, ah. Oh. You know, look, something's just not right. How would I know? I was, I was in that similar situation. Um, That was, yeah, that was me. I won't go into the details now because we haven't talked about it. But I was the first time mum with the expectation that I was going to be able to breastfeed, and it wasn't working with the boys. It wasn't working for any of us, and it was a a really, it was a different situation in the end result. And it took us months to get to the bottom of it. And it was, yeah, Mm. it was a really challenging, heartbreaking, uh, difficult pathway to be on because I couldn't work out what, and a lot of self-blame, what was I doing wrong? Because um, yep. these babies were, same thing, feeding but not actually getting nutrition and that was the big thing for us. But but different scenarios, not tongue-tied, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I, I, And I think this is what's important to talk about. Mm. You know, we've, we've talked about normalising breastfeeding. We've talked about... Um, 
uh, miscarriages are getting talked about. That's a really good one um, because it's like four years ago, four years ago, five years ago, when I experienced my last miscarriage, like it still wasn't talked about. And it's like, so I went to the media. I went to my, you know, local paper. I went to Fairfax Media and I started talking about it and everybody's doing the same. And it's like, and then four years later, now people are actually talking about it and it's okay to talk about it and it's going to make you feel better to talk about it. And so it's like all of these things that people have problems with, the more we talk about it, the more mm. awareness gets raised, the more conversations are had, yeah. the more you don't feel alone going through it. Mm. And these are so important. I, I completely agree. There's so much pressure on mums to breastfeed and you can have the yeah. best intention but things don't always necessarily work out and it – the guilt and you've got that that new mum guilt anyway and in a twin mum or multiple mum situation you've got more than one you're dividing your time and then to to put that enormous pressure on yourself and then not be successful you can end up feeling like you've you've let yourself down your kids down your everything down and it doesn't help the general public's opinion you know you get told while you're pregnant oh well you won't be able to breastfeed because there's two of them (laughs) and then you get other people when you see that when you they see you giving a bottle. Oh, so you're not breastfeeding? I mean, come on, people. Isn't it amazing how everybody has an opinion? It's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, and it's appropriate to vocalise that to the mum at the time as well. Oh, like, you can have your opinion, but do you actually need to say that out loud to the mum? Like, why don't you go to your little gossip party and gossip yeah. over there away from the babies and the mum. They've got enough on their plate. They don't need your two cents. They need, well done, mum. They need, you're doing a great job. They need, what can I do to help you? That's what they need. They don't need judgment or any oh. any of the crap that comes out of people. So I had a lady come up to me when I was going to a doctor's appointment, when I was going through this whole having so much trouble with breastfeeding. And she was like, oh, no, you're breastfeeding. I literally just started crying. I was in hell trying to breastfeed my kids who, you know, the t- I'll go into the tongue ties, I'll finish that in a sec, but it's like I kept having problems and it wasn't resolved and I felt like shit and I wasn't doing what I wanted to do and so I just felt like the worst mom on earth and then it's just like your comments aren't necessary, like you've literally made me cry, like get away from me. And then she's trying to push my pram for me, like I'm just like get away from me, like oh my God. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so um, the lactation consultant confirmed the tongue ties. Um, so then I was trying to get educated on what tongue ties were, why that's not checked in new babies, particularly ones who were born any bit earlier than 40 weeks, um, and things like that. I found it astonishing that it wasn't picked up earlier. Um, so then we had to make an appointment with one specialist. Um, who we got into a couple of days later. So in the meantime, I had the lactation consultant sort of coaching me with what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, what our plan is until we get you know things resolved. So we did end up supplementing the formula at that point. Um, I was trying to express my crazy, but I think the enormous stress I felt made that so much worse. And so I started not being able to produce any decent amount of milk. Um, so trying to express was, it wasn't non-eventful, but it was just not much. Um, and so, yeah, we were supplementing with formula. I was trying to 
be okay with that in my head. I'm so glad I had that lactation consultant to sort of talk me through things and, and drum into my head steady stuff because it's so true and it needs to be drummed into every mum's head who's giving themselves guilt over not being able to breastfeed or whatever it might be. That is definitely best. Yeah, lactation um, consultants are worth their weight in gold. And don't be scared to go and see them. For any new mums that are out there or, you know, people that are pregnant um, and uh, aren't sure of what their breastfeeding journey is going to look like or whether they're even going to have one, you can still see a lactation consultant. They've really changed. They're no longer, you know, they, they really want to help you feed your baby, yeah. babies, in any way that they need to be fed. Um yeah. So, yeah, definitely always, always ask to speak to the lactation consultant at the hospital before you leave. Um, I think that's, yeah, great advice, 100%. Yeah, I, I got them to come and see me in special care every second day Not while even we were in there. Mm, yeah, I was a child. Yeah, I was like, no, can I please book the lactation consultant for Thursday? Great, can I please book the lactation consultant for Saturday? And I just kept Good asking. And, yes. and we weren't even really having any problems. I just wanted yeah, but that. I had never had that before. I wanted that reassurance that things I was doing it right, yeah. you know, and things like that. So I just used to book them in. So, yeah, that's a hot tip for any expectant yeah. parent. Make sure you, you book in the lactation consultant oh, um, to come and see you. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's, it's something that's also a little bit harder to get your hands on regionally as well. Um, like oh, I, I'm the yeah. same. I didn't I didn't know about lactation consultants and coming from a medical family, that was great. Um, but I wow. had, huge, had huge problems feeding the boys and um, – finally like could get into a lactation consultant but I you know I'm traveling almost two hours to get to the hospital mm. where, where something was available wow. so you know it, and again it's it's a lot of resources and Naomi and I've talked about this previously that um, you know the amazing midwives and resources that are available regionally and rural is great but it's still so under resourced for support of new mothers particularly with multiples um, that you know I, yeah. I'd have quite a young person come and visit and just sort of scratch their heads going, well, I've got no idea why your babies aren't, you know, are so unsettled. I've just got no idea. Um, and so we were doing, yep. you know, lots of hours back and forth to paediatricians in the end and all sorts of things to just try and get some answers. Um, but that's just because, you know, regional and rural areas don't necessarily have the same resources, which is, is tough. And that's why with Twinfo, um, I always try and find the, you know, the, the lactation consultants, the sleep consultants and things like that that also work um, via Skype and things or Zoom these days. Yeah. Um, because the, you know, it's a little bit up close and personal because you've got to put your, possibly put your breast on the camera for them to actually see the positioning and things like that. But they can help you. They're amazing. That's what they're trained to do. Um, so you can always get, um, you know, a, a, an online consult as well. How good is um, that? That's mm, so good. Mm, fantastic. Anyway, we digress. Keep, yeah. keep going with your, your story. Because I'm finding this fascinating. Because yeah. I, I haven't had anything to do with that. We have had previous guests on um, that yeah. have had them. Um, but, I, yeah, I have got no personal experience. So I find it all quite interesting. I found it interesting too. And, yeah, it was 
so bizarre that I hadn't heard of it or experienced it before. Um, but they did say it can be quite common too. So, um, so yeah, we went and saw the first specialist um, when our appointment was, and that was up at the hospital as well. Um, so we were really familiar with the hospital at this point, which I think it's it's a good thing to be in an environment where you're familiar with with you know this journey in general. Um, and so he looked at the boys. He said Williams was worse. Um, so William was the smaller of the two. Uh, he was twin one or twin A. Um, and um, he was worse. Um, and then Leo's was still tongue-tied, um, but not as bad. So, again, the positioning of the tongue-ties can be different, um, is what I learned. And so for us, it was um, under the tongue, uh, for anyone who's absolutely not familiar, um, you've got that piece of skin that goes from your tongue just to, like, the bottom of your mouth. And so that piece of skin is sort of extended towards the front of their tongue. And so then when they're trying to latch to suck things, particularly the breast, the breast is harder than a bottle, um, then they're not able to suck it properly to get the food. So this doctor in particular, the way that the boys' tongue ties were, he said that uh, he wasn't experienced enough to deal with their tongue ties. Um, which I am regional, um, so um, that my heart just sunk when I heard those words. I was like, what do you mean you can't help? And then he said, you're probably going to need to go to Newcastle or Sydney. <laughs> I'm just like, okay? like, I'm not allowed to drive at this point, I mind you. <laughs> um, I was allowed to drive for a period of time, actually, which was really inconvenient when I had a kid in school. <laughs> um, so um, we ended up, I think we went back to the lactation consultant after that and then she was like, no, I'm sure there is. Um, let's do some research together and we'll, we'll find somebody else. Um, so we did actually find somebody else locally. I could not even believe my luck. Um, and he had his own clinic away from the hospital. So we managed to get into him and then we did manage to get it fixed. And it was literally the like easy peasy lemon squeezy like it was just fantastic and I was like great now we can try and move forward um I couldn't get them back to to feeding on the boob and me being able to produce enough milk um which was really sad but um you know it, it is what it is and you can't control plenty of things and I think that's you know what you start learning through that is you know it's out of my control I've done what I can and we need to move on as a family. Um, so we did that. Um, and that was my breastfeeding journey. <laughs> it, is, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that you just can't predict anything with multiples. And I've always said that. You know, my biggest advice to families is just to do what is best for your family. Um, and because that's different for every family. And all the babies are different. And just because you have two babies doesn't mean they're going to be exactly the same in their feeding or anything like that. Um, so I think the moral of this is to, I don't know, not not get too fixated on your yeah. expectations. Yeah, and yeah, you need to yeah make sure that your expectations are really flexible. And I think that's a big lesson to learn, especially as they're newborns, because the amount of flexibility 
you need to create as they begin growing and then you go through different milestones and different challenges, you need to learn that flexibility quickly. <laughs> um, it's for your own mental health. And, um, you know, I definitely went through postnatal depression and we'll talk about that probably a bit later, but um, being able to let go and being able to drop standards and being able to say, you know, it is what it is, but I'm going to do what I can is just, I think it's a part of that, that mental health journey of where you've got to get to, um, be able to say, you know what, I'm doing the best I can and it is good enough. Um, and then really believing that in yourself, I think that's a huge lesson to learn as quickly as you possibly can um, for your own your own well-being. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I think it's, yeah, that's just a really important takeaway. And I think also the honesty because, I, as you said, there's so many people who we, we hear a lot, much like the journey of pregnancy and, you know, we hear the, the good sides of them and the good pregnancies and the people who go like yourself to 37 or then we hear the 21, sort of 29-week ones. Um, but for people to be able to articulate that breastfeeding isn't always an easy journey is something that is exactly what you said earlier. It's just not talked about enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of though, um, did you see the new controversial ad about breastfeeding that they've just taken off and they're not airing? Because I think it's a really good ad. It's got everybody's boobs out, everybody's feeding their babies, and it normalises breastfeeding to a point of, you know, you can have conversations with your kids and be like, this is normal. You can have conversations with your husband. This is normal. You can have conversations with your friends. This is normal. It's not sexualized. It's feeding a baby. Not a big deal. Just throw that in there. Yeah, yeah no, and yeah. That, uh, it is. I mean, yeah, I, uh, that's a whole other story, isn't it? It is, it is just normal. And look, some, some people can do it. Some people can't. And there's lots of reasons why people can. And there's just as many reasons why people can't. So, I mean, fed is always best. Um, you know. Particularly, you know, you do need to take into um, consideration the mother's mental health and everything like that. Um, there's all different aspects of feeding. It's not just um, the production of the milk. Mm. That's exactly it, yeah. Well, thank you so much yeah. for sharing your story with us. Um, and, yeah, I think we've still got a bit more to um, go through with your interesting journey of parenting multiple so you'd we'll like have to, to bring come you back, back again, Jackie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks, we'll bring you back again. We'd love to go into the, um, you know, the whole postnatal depression um, side of things because I think there's a lot of mums, um, parents of multiples that probably um, end up in that situation and don't realise. So I'd love to have that chat and and more about you know your journey to where you're up to now. Awesome, thanks, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week. You'll be back. It's Talking (laughs) Twins and more with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au.